Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing Before the Coffee Gets Cold and Bo is Afraid. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey Kat, how's it going? It's good. How are you today, Remy? Uh, I'm really fucking tired. It's been a week. But you know what's interesting? What's interesting? I was looking at my old pod notes mm-hmm. notebook, the one we I had when we first started podding. Uh-huh. And I looked at the little date for our first recording session, and it's been over a year now. Oh Can my you gosh, believe that? I can't. Yeah, I was thinking we had to be getting close, but I couldn't remember exactly when we started recording. Yeah, that's why I looked, because I was like, oh, maybe it's almost a year. It's been a year. Gosh, I can't believe it. a couple it. of weeks now. <laughs> that's it so was, cool. We, are, we recorded our first episode on April 6th, uh-huh. 2022. Oh, wow. Yep, and it's now April 21st, 2023. Yeah, we, we missed did it by it. two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But hey, man, a whole year. I know. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, we'll have to do something to celebrate when we're in Maine. Do like a big bottle of champagne or something. Yeah. Because then we'll have passed like a year of episode episodes. We'll have reached like Yeah, a, a year of releasing episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be, that's, that'll be in July sometime, yes? Yeah, I think late July. Fun. Yeah. Ah, this has been a good couple of weeks. I have been... Very excited about multiple things, multiple media mm-hmm. things. Radio Rental, back with a new season. My guy Terry, missed you, man. Terry Carnation is back. Uh, He's Radio back. Rental's season just started. Um, they have two, the first two episodes of the season out right now. They are very good. I'm enjoying them immensely. Normal Gossip just started their third Third season or fourth season? I can't remember. Oh, do they now. do seasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, their first episode had Samin Nosrat on, and that was no way. fucking incredible. She's we love so her. hilarious. She's very funny. Oh my god. She seems like a good hang. Um, that was quite possibly my favorite episode to date. Um Was her gossip good? Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. And she also <sighs> talked about Um, Like her own, I thought her personal journey with gossip was really, really interesting because she talks about how culturally gossip is like very important for like her family and how they find things out about one another is like through (laughs) gossip because they're all Uh like very private. And um, so I really liked hearing about her personal relationship with gossip. So that was really cool. And for my friend's birthday, I got her the, like, subscription to the extra episodes of Normal Gossip and stuff. Oh, neat. And because of that, they announced their tour, and we got early access to tickets. So we got tickets to go see them in Chicago. Chicago. I'm so excited. That's Um, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. So that's in June. And then Hosier... The musical artist just released a new EP and announced a tour, so I got tickets to go see them in New York City in September. <gasps> <laughs> so 
I'm yeah, very that's excited. where I live. I know that's where you live. <laughs> that's where you're going to live then, too. I know. Well, almost. Close. Close enough. Pretty close. Outside. Close enough. Uh, oh, so it's just like man. a very exciting time of me, like, just look at you spending a bunch of fucking money, but it's fine. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. So it should be. Yeah. Fun. Well, I was going to save this for my piece of media, but then I found out I'm going second today. So I'll just slot it in here that, um, <laughs> I experienced some devastating news earlier this week when I found the opportunity of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Kat, I can't describe to you the feeling I felt when I saw a post on Twitter from A24 announcing that my movie theater, my AMC, was hosting an early screening of Bo is Afraid, including... A director Q&A with Ari Aster, <laughs> moderated by Martin Scorsese oh, no. after the film. I, all of the air oh. left my lungs the moment I read that. I ran. I ran across the apartment. I was like, Will, 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 you're not going to believe this. I'm getting tickets right now. I clicked on the seating chart. I scrolled and I scrolled and I scrolled. I was like, Will... There's no empty seats. There's no empty seats. There's Aww. no empty seats. And he he had to watch the light and the life leave my eyes oh, and no. my spirit leave my body and all of my hopes die in front of him as I realized that all of the tickets to this dream event were already taken. Oh, my God. It was so sad. But I'm really happy for all those people that got to experience that. I'm really happy it happened. Really happy Marty's out there going to bat for yeah. people. I fucking love it when Martin Scorsese <laughs> like weighs in on other people's work and is like, this this person's doing good work. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I love his contribution to the cinema discussion and how encouraging he is for other directors. What yeah. a what a fucking guy. He's yeah. in town. He's shooting a commercial for Chanel with Timothy Chalamet, so Everyone's like buzzing about wow. Scorsese and Chalamet <laughs> out on the town. Wow. Yeah. So that's, uh, those are the, the things that I've been emotionally invested in this week. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, the good news is that New York has lots of cool opportunities. Mm. And maybe the next Ari Aster film will we'll know. That we gotta keep an eye out for things like that. I know. Well in advance. I know. Now I know. I mean, it sold out in a, like, I think under two hours. Wow. And I saw the post three hours after it oh. went up because I was like fucking working and not looking at Twitter. Never Ooh. making that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's just up, refreshing <laughs> all the time now. Bummer. That sucks. So sad. I know, but I got over it eventually. Yeah, processed it. Yeah, I think someone put a video up of it on YouTube, so oh, that's cool. I can at still least. like glean the information, which is cool. Yeah, you should send me send me that because I've got lots of questions. Yeah, I just really wanted to like be in the same room as Marty and Ari. You uh, know, that would have been really it. cool for I sure. Know. I know. Uh, yeah. Nothing so cool here. 
I tripped over an armchair, my showing of yeah. Bo's Afraid. So, um, kind of make an appearance. An entrance? <laughs> yeah, entrance. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's Friday and I'm dying, but. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling real weird. So, this is going to be great. <laughs> I love the chaotic energy of Fridays, though. It's perfect. Yeah. It's pretty far superior. Yeah. No Sunday scaries. dread of Sunday. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, I guess I can hop on in if you're ready to go. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. You're up first this week, Kat. I am. So this week I will be talking about the novel Before the Coffee Gets Cold. Um, this was originally published in 2015 and it was written by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. And this is a really interesting novel. I actually heard about it on a YouTube channel called Allison Pages. She is a YouTuber that Remy initially sent me the link to. And this book made her like honorable mentions for last year. And her description of it really caught my attention. However, I was reticent to read it because she said that it made her cry a lot (laughs) and that she's also not a person that cries very easy at easily at books. And so I was like, Oh God. Um, but I was like, listen, this sounds like good enough that I'm, I'm ready to go through that. And the general focus of the book is that, um, All of the scenes are set in a cafe that allows customers to travel back in time. However, there are many, many rules to traveling back in time. One of the rules being that they only have until their coffee gets cold to return to the present. So they have to drink their entire cup of coffee before it gets cold um, in order to return. And if they don't, there are consequences to that. And the novel is told in four vignette style chapters. So each chapter is kind of focusing on a different story of someone going back to the past. And I just really enjoyed, <laughs> there's children screaming in the background. Um, yeah, I was going <laughs> to warn you, there's uh, heavy footsteps. I okay. can see it registering <laughs> in my audio. So do not that? panic. If editing cat gets scared. <laughs> Don't worry, my upstairs neighbor is stomping. Um, but I really liked this book. I did cry a lot at this book. Um, <laughs> this was the book that I kind of wrapped up my vacation with. So it was book number five and I like was really uh, slacking on those last 50 pages of the book. Like I got back from vacation and then I just wasn't in the mental headspace to like finish it until this week. But I, while it is a book that made me cry, I do not feel like negatively about it. Uh, it was a very nice emotional experience in general. It has a lot of just like really beautiful concepts and interactions that are displayed in the book. And ultimately, I think that this is a book about our regrets and things that we're holding on to that end up haunting us. And it's about having like a second chance to go back and 
deal with those interactions that we never had or things that we never said. Mm-hmm. And it involves a lot of internal reflection from the audience, I think. And it was definitely a book that made me think back on my own personal experiences and say like, oh, what what kind of interaction would I want to have if I had this opportunity? Like, where, what moment would I want to go back to? Or is it even worth traveling back in time to go through these really intense emotions um, when ultimately it doesn't change anything? All of the actions in the past can't change the future in this time travel setup, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And I also really liked the rule that one can travel back to the past, but Basically, when you travel back to the future, it's a hard reset. That conversation never happened. Those interactions um, never happened for that person. It, you so can't it's change. Just for you. It's just for you. And initially, when I heard that rule, I thought, oh, well, the gravity of that is going to be less intense. And it, I mean, there are no consequences to your actions, right? But I, when I was reading those interactions, I actually don't feel like it was less impactful and less meaningful. And I do think that the way that these people are processing their emotions in the past helps them lead a different life going forward. And I think that that's really powerful. And just, I, I don't know, I just thought it was really well done. And um I've heard critiques about this book that it is not necessarily written in the most like eloquent prose. It's a little bit clumsy and not always the easiest read, but I do think that if you push through that, it ends up being like a really powerful novel. Um, I cried a lot at this book, like I already said, but I cannot stress this enough. I was reading it across from my friend in a coffee shop one day and Mm -hmm. my eyes were like welling with tears and I was on my phone and she was like, what are you looking at? Are you okay? Like, and I was like, oh, I'm just reading my book. And she's like, you're (laughs) crying in public. Hey, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Listen, but it just touches on so many universal fears and sensitivities which I think is why it's so resonant with people of any culture or age. It touches on things like growing old and losing our memories, um, loss of loved ones, and so on and so forth. But with each vignette, there's so much hope that is gained from each character, and it changes the way that they peer into their own situation. And I just thought that that was really well done. And I mean, I cried in every chapter, even like the low stakes chapter, I cried. And I just couldn't stop crying. So (laughs) it was it was really powerful. And I usually avoid things that make me feel such strong emotions. But this is a book that I would wholeheartedly recommend to somebody. Usually things that make me cry a lot, I don't recommend to anybody because I don't want other people to be sad or um experience those things, but uh, this one was really valuable. And I think that anyone who reads it could really get something out of it and um, see themselves in some of the characters, which is just the mark of a great novel. So yeah, I don't have a ton to say about it, but I'm really glad to have read it. 
Yeah. And I feel like this is like really good growth for you that you even read it in the first place, knowing that it's uh, an emotionally evocative book. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, it was tough, but I, I really enjoyed it and changed my mind during the book about my initial questions that I was asking myself because my gut feeling is like, oh no, I would never want to travel to the past. But then seeing how it changed other people's lives made me more inclined to be like, okay, maybe that is some helpful processing that people are doing. But oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, do you think you'll read the sequel? No. Isn't there a sequel? <laughs> no. Yeah, there is. There are, I think, three books in the series. Really? Yeah, I think there's more than just a sequel. Um, and... I don't think I'll be reading um, any of the other books just because, or at least not anytime soon, just because that was such an intense emotional experience for me. And I don't like being that sad all the time. I mean, the husband and wife chapter in this book absolutely devastated me. And Mm -hmm. I like had to stop reading on the plane because I was worried the lady next to me was going to think, I was like having a panic attack or something. Oh boy. Um, but I just think that it, it very well recapitulated the fact that like life can suck really bad sometimes, but there's always like a way to make it better. And there's always a way to like think about things a little bit differently and heal. Um, and it was just very good, but yeah, no, no further exploration for the time being. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Just curious. Yeah. I'm glad you like, you seem to like that Allison Page's channel, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I thought I you'd like her. her. I have a couple other booktubers that I also think you would vibe with as well that I can send your way. Yeah. Every time I would watch her video, I'd be like, that reminds me of Kat, and that reminds <laughs> me of Kat, and that reminds me of Kat. I bet Kat would like her. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading... Another recommendation that I actually got from her channel, which is the Monk and Robot duology. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not very far through it yet, but it's very cute and cozy so far, which is absolutely my vibe. Is that novel or graphic novel? It's a, it's just two novels. Um, two novels. Yeah. they're Well, I think they're technically novellas, mm-hmm. but they're very, they're very good so far. So I'm oh, really nice. enjoying it. It's a nice change of pace for me, <laughs> or from what I was reading before. And it's yeah, also I, breaking the, the romance train that I've been on, because all mm-hmm. I want is romance right now. <laughs> but Yeah, you've been, like, burning through the romances. You um, took my suggestion on the X-Talk. I did. It was very, very good. Um, and then that one's fucking great. I love that one. Yeah, Weather Girl is on my Libby right now, but That's I didn't start it yet. Um, but I just re-listened or I just listened to Book Lovers and really enjoyed Julia Whalen. She is fucking stellar. I know, right? <laughs> I Can can't we please it. talk about Julia. How? Is she so good? How did she make Charlie Lastra even hotter than he was in my head? I don't understand. How does she do it? She's incredible. She also, like, her I hope emotions for these things. So and I good. Hope she wins them all. So like, good. Um, how? It's 
she's so good. Yeah. She deserves an Oscar for audiobooks. Whatever that is, she should get it. Yeah. And she crushes it. So good. I can't wait to listen to Thank You for Listening, which Mm -hmm. is her novel. That's on my Audible right now. That's what I used my credit on this month. Yeah, that one's really fun. It's about an audiobook narrator. Have you read it? I've listened to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's exciting. I didn't know yeah, that you it's really already. cute. Okay, cool. I'm very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so I'm just really enjoying all of the romance and like good, happy, positive feelings. Yeah. It's good to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I had more um, like a deeper table of wrecks for you on that front, but. I'm just going to try different things and. Yeah. See what sticks. And also, I can re-listen to the Emily Henry books a million times and never get tired of them. so re-listenable. I finished Book Lovers while doing something at work the other day, and then I just started Mm -hmm. again from the middle. I was like, (gasps) we're going to go freak. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go back to chapter seven and just listen from here. (laughs) And then I'm starting a second read through from there. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) I can't wait for Beach Read and people we meet on vacation should be coming available for me soon, like within the next two weeks or so. So I'm going to re-listen to those as well. I can't wait for you to hear Julia's rendition of Gus Everett. Oh, yeah? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. In the Instagram story for today, where I Uh post the link. Oh, no. (laughs) I sent it to the music everybody hurts. Which is the R.E.M. song that plays. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) That, like, kicks everything off. Fuck, Um, yeah. I thought I was hilarious as fuck. That's Um, good stuff. It was very good. What did you do? (laughs) Nothing bad. Oh, that's good stuff. Also, I was listening to some music today, and I was like, God, I love a good saxophone. And then I was like, oh, man, uh, the guy from... Alex Nelson. <laughs> yeah, he would fucking hate me. That's yeah. fine. Uh, you know, sometimes that's so funny. I had that thought about a song the other day. Oh, yeah? What yeah. song was it? It could be the same one. What was it? I don't know what it was. Uh, what was yours? It was a Wolfpack song. It could have been. Uh, it was a... Uh, I do like some Wolfpack. Uh, what was it? It was... I just got on, like, a kick today where I was listening to Wolfpack. I think I was just, like, listening to their album. I don't know. I was listening to one of their albums, and it wasn't Animal Spirits, but that was, like, what got me on my Wolfpack kick today. Cool. Yeah. So it could have been, because that was a wreck that I got from you and our other coworker and started listening to. Oh, I love some Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the beautiful game, that album. That's a great Uh, one. That's mm -hmm. a fucking banger. That's good. Yeah, very good. Wow, we're full of wrecks today. (laughs) We got a lot of bonus wrecks in this one. Yeah, that's okay. I feel like I didn't have a ton to say about my piece of media in general, so I was just like, we have extra time to talk about extra wrecks. Who doesn't love some extra wrecks? (laughs) That's all I've got on that. And ready to hear all about your takes on Bo is Afraid, which I'm actually very excited to Uh hear because I watched the film and it wasn't really like my type of film, but I wonder if 
hearing your takes on it will help like open my understanding of the film a little bit more. And also I just watched it like yeah. four hours ago and haven't really had <laughs> enough time to like fully process and digest the film. Mm-hmm. Cause this could be a whole Midsommar situation where I was like, I hate oh, this film true. and then I liked it. So you did have, you needed some time on that one. Yeah. It could be a, that situation. I don't think it is, but mm-hmm. it could be a mixture of it just not really being my type of film combined with needing more time to process. So yeah, my pick this week is the 2023 film Bo is Afraid, written and directed by Ari Aster. And I got to see this during its, like, um, what's the opposite of wide release? Soft what release? What do they call that? <laughs> Whatever the, like, um, special... Special release. Special small release week was, where it just released in four theaters. Mm-hmm in New York and LA and one of them was my theater and I was so excited um despite the fact that I missed my guys Martin and and Ari I did see it in IMAX early so that is pretty fun yeah but yeah I think this is a really good opportunity to have kind of like a watershed moment or at least like plant a flag in the pod that firmly states that We don't have to agree on a thing Mm -hmm. in that we don't both have to like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been times in the past where we've been kind of like meh about the other person's choice, Mm -hmm. but it's totally fine for us to disagree about something. We disagree a lot and (laughs) in, in our like preferences Mm -hmm. within things we both enjoy, but I think it's totally fine for us to have like a, a a conversation about a piece of media where one of us didn't like it and that's not going to dampen my enthusiasm for it. So yeah. I just wanted to put it out there. Like I'm totally fine doing it like Ebert and Roper style where we can have like a spirited discussion. <laughs> like that's a good thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's what friendship is too. Yeah. Like friendship isn't just blindly agreeing with whoever's around. Friendship is being willing to say that you don't like Ted Lasso uh, season three, episode six. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. It's okay. (laughs) That'll have to be its whole other discussion now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, healthy disagreement is totally normal. Yeah. And I also think it's worthwhile, like, modeling that type of discussion, especially Mm -hmm. because there's been so much bad discourse around this film with people just having, like, really bad takes that are, like, you can summarize them as, I hated this film, so no one else should like it. And it's like, that's the dumbest fucking take of all time. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, that's never our stance on friend diagram. (laughs) Like, no matter our opinions on something, we would never tell someone else to not like something if we didn't like it. That's insane. Yeah. Because every single person is different, too. Like, every single person has different tastes. Yeah. (laughs) You should be encouraged to try new things and go see movies that you might not like. Hell yeah. It's important to try. Yeah. Try new things, guys. Try new things. Take a wreck. Yeah. Take a risk. Take a chance. (laughs) Try new things, man. That's the best. (laughs) I love that.
But anyway, that's kind of all preamble to tell you that Bo is Afraid is really fucking weird, and I'm really fucking into it. <laughs> it is so weird. It's such a big swing. This is gonna, like, echo a lot of my discussion on why I loved Babylon, because that was such a big fucking swing mm-hmm. for Damien Chazelle. He got to do what he wanted, he got the budget, he had the vision, and he fucking executed that vision. And that's exactly what Ari Aster is doing with Bo is Afraid. Like, he paid his dues, he made those, like, two really great, tight horror genre films. Yes. And... Everyone was like, okay, do your thing with Bo is Afraid. And he's like, fucking, I'm going to cook, and this is what I made. <laughs> and I'm here. Like, fucking serve like it, it up, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's also uh, something – I think there's, like, very small ways to modify your expectations in that you just simply have to understand it's going to be weird. It's mm-hmm. not really going to be a horror per se, and not in the way that his – previous films were it's the storytelling is relatively more experimental certainly um compared to his other films but dude i i'm into it and that's not a bad thing yeah experimenting yeah Mm -hmm. um and also it's three hours long you really must know that my co-worker went this past week as well Mm -hmm. and they did not like it and they (laughs) didn't watch the trailer and they didn't look at the runtime before they went in. And I was like, oh, friend, what are you doing? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I think just knowing those couple key pieces of info are like a little, at least a little bit helpful. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to like warn you about so many things before you went, but I was like, no, Kat's her own (laughs) moviegoer. She can handle it. Don't filter the experience for her before it even happens. And I'm so, I, so like, curious what you would have yeah. warned me about. I'm, yeah, I just, I probably would have told you, like, no matter how anxiogenic the first act is, you'll get through it. The first act was very anxiogenic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I should go through the plot in, like, broad strokes. So, this film stars Joaquin Phoenix, just fucking doing a great job as always Mm -hmm. he was great just being a real weird guy man (laughs) he's got that locked in (laughs) but also he's like a very like sympathetic main character in that you really feel bad about all the shit that's happening to him in this film Mm -hmm. because it's essentially a four-act film that is depicting Bo going on an anxiety-riddled, surrealist nightmare odyssey, and kind of a lot of it's just, like, the worst things happening to him time and time and time again. And he is ultimately going on this odyssey, trying to get to his mom's house. That is, like, the overarching goal of the film. And... You just go on such a journey with a bow along the way to places you could never imagine or anticipate. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly the type of shit I am looking for. Like, throughout this film, I had no idea where things were going. Even when they showed me where things were going to go, I still was like, I don't know how we're getting there. 
I don't know what is going on. And I'm so down for this ride. Like, I love being surprised. I've said it before. I'll say it a million times. I love when a piece of media and a film surprises me. And this film was utterly unpredictable. And that is one of the best things you could be, in my opinion. I love that I had no idea where things were going. Mm -hmm. And that is the mark of true originality. I mean, this is an incredibly original work that Aria has given us, and I'm so thankful. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I said, it's a departure from the way Ari's past films have been marketed, in that they were basically marketed as horrors. Um, This is not... I wouldn't describe this as a horror film. It's like a weird adventure black comedy. And when when I heard it was going to be like a pseudo-comedy, I was like, oh, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. And the craziest thing was, in my showing, it was like a, a Sunday matinee at an IMAX. Like, everyone was there... Like, they shelled out IMAX money to see this film, and they were excited, and it was, like, the preview week. So we were all, like, totally game, all everyone in that theater. I can't remember the last time I heard that many laughs in a the theater. Like, mm-hmm. too many to count. Uh, there were so many <laughs> funny things in this movie, and I was laughing. We were all laughing. I couldn't believe what was happening, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, there were lots of laughs in my showing, too. And I went yeah. at noon on opening day. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like a full theater for sure. Mm-hmm. No, it was really successful in that respect, I think. I was really impressed with just how, how many laughs landed, how many sight gags landed. Just like there was a lot going on and it was very funny. So... That's something to look forward to. Yeah, but it was funny in, like... <laughs> it's so funny in such an uncomfortable way. Yes, very much and so. so. I just felt really uncomfortable and, like, empathetic. And so oh, I yeah. was like, ah, oh, this is killing me. And then everyone yeah. else was like, I'm having a funny good haha time. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I know. There were, like, so many different types of laughs in that, like... Haha, I can't believe it just got worse. Or like, haha, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. Yeah, (laughs) I'm absolutely fucking shocked. I can't believe this person said this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, haha, I know exactly what that feels like when Uh, someone says that to you mm -hmm. or something like that. There was just a lot of different types of laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think takes a lot of skill to pull mm-hmm. off. So I'm, like, really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So it's basically a film in four acts or four parts. The first act is Bo in his normal life, largely in his apartment, which appears to be, like, in kind of a, a fictionalized version of New York City. And I have theories on each of these parts, respectively, but that's, like, the general first act. Then he moves on to um, a whole experience that he has with a family in, like, a suburban home. After that, there's the third act, which is largely 
abstract animation based where mm-hmm. he goes to a play and there's like a lot of metatextual layering of the play that he's watching and the story being told. That was my favorite act. That I was Will's that favorite one. act. Will was with me, by the way. Oh, nice. <laughs> he really liked the film too. We we did a lot of looking at each other and laughing and exclaiming and being like, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that laughing. would be a fun movie to like watch with somebody else. Yeah. Um, and like share the experience with. For sure. Yeah, and just have someone to make the face at that mm-hmm. is like, holy shit, can you believe this? <laughs> That's a good face. I love making faces of people. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there was a guy from Patriot in it, and you know I get really excited. <laughs> Who's the guy when from Patriot? Happens. In Patriot, they call him Ichabod. He's mostly in the third act. He's the guy in the woods that has information to tell them. Oh, yeah. I didn't know what that guy's fucking deal was. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah. Um, and then in the fourth act, we sort of... The fourth act is fucking wild. Um, but basically, he gets to the house, and then there's also a part after that that is just something else, baby. Yeah. So that's kind of the general breakdown. This is going to be very spoiler heavy, everybody. Like, I'm not going to spare. I'm not going to tell you everything. It's a fucking three hour film. I couldn't possibly (laughs) tell you everything that happened. But just, you know, beware. This is going to be pretty Mm -hmm. unsparing in terms of spoilers because otherwise I couldn't really tell you anything other than that it's funny and weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. But a lot of it is basically like a study in guilt and anxiety. My favorite headline that I've seen is by, apologies, I don't remember their name, but the film critic for Rolling Stone called this the Citizen Kane of Mommy Issues. And I found that like (laughs) chef's kiss good. Like that's good stuff. That's fair. Yeah, it's very focused on Bo's anxieties and how they manifest because of his relationship with his mother, who he's trying to get to throughout the whole film. And, dude, there's just so much that happens. I don't even know how to unpack all of this for you or how to even express the things that I loved. (laughs) I'm so so glad I've already seen it, too. Because, like, I have a framework. This could be a mess if you hadn't seen it, which is why I'm glad we stalled. Yeah. And gave me a week to process it all. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you like a my general theory about each act and then a couple highlights from each. Maybe that will be a good way yeah, to do it. That sounds great. So the first act, we see a lot of that in the trailer where Bo is like in his apartment and navigating the dangers of his neighborhood. And that is the most nightmarish part of the movie, mm-hmm. I think, because it is it takes like bad luck to such an extreme where all of these terrible things are happening to Bo and they're compounding and compounding and compounding to such a degree that like normally I would feel uncomfortable watching it because I would feel so bad for the character, but it became so extreme and so surreal and so unlikely that I was like, oh, I understand this is nightmare logic. I don't need to feel so anxious for Bo, and I was able to detach when I recognized how, like, how uncanny all of the circumstances were. And that's what made it 
funny for me. Like, as soon as he got back to his apartment and all of these things had already gone so terribly, and he saw a poster about a brown recluse (laughs) spider (laughs) loose in his building, I was just like, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen. I love the brown recluse. I loved everything about it. I (laughs) thought he was so funny. Yeah, there were like, there were so many moments in the first act where I was like trying to learn what was going on. And I was yeah. like, I understand what's going on now. And I didn't, I didn't understand at all. Yeah. Um, because I was like, is this all not real? Is this all happening in his head? Is part of it real? Part of it happening in his head? What's going on? And you never really find out the answers to any of those questions. Right. Um, right. Which I found very like, impairing to my ability to enjoy if that makes sense certainly yeah that kind of brings me to another point in that i realized after the fact that i've been subconsciously training for this film for like the past six months in my viewing choices because i've been watching a lot of weird stuff and i've been revisiting key things namely twin peaks um which is you know directed by david lynch Mm -hmm. and when i was as I was watching Bo, I was like, oh, I think this is sort of Lynchian in that I'm not meant to actually figure out what mm-hmm. is happening. Like, the mystery is a feature, not a bug. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to tax myself with, like, concerning myself with a solution because there's no clean solution. Yeah. And I just should be along for the ride. Yeah. And so I took like a Lynchian approach and I think that was part of like what made it so successful for me. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. But yeah, like I've been watching like Claire Denis and Mm -hmm. Titan and men and like, just like a bunch of like weird shit. And Mm -hmm. somehow it's like, I've been secretly training for the Olympics, (laughs) which is what I was afraid. But yeah, I, um, I totally see where you're coming from, Mm -hmm. and I think if as long as you can adopt the attitude that this isn't a puzzle to figure out, that's really going to help you. Yeah, and I also think that just because it impairs my ability to like enjoy the film doesn't mean that I can't appreciate the things that were done really well in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended the film feeling very much the same. I felt. Very similarly to how I felt when I watched The Lighthouse, where I was like, that was some cool shit went on in that film. I don't understand it. And Mm -hmm. I don't like it because I don't understand it. (laughs) Yeah. But I can appreciate so much about the film aside Mm -hmm. from like the plot, right? Because I love things that are very, very plot heavy and plots that make a lot of sense. With maybe, like, a couple of mysteries in there. Things mm-hmm. that don't com- completely add up. But... Yeah. yeah. Whereas I came out of the lighthouse and I was like, I have this theory and this theory and this theory about what it's about. <laughs> and now I'm going to think about it for a while. And that's fun. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> that's how I feel about Bo. So mm-hmm. that's a great comp. Um, do you want to hear my theory for the first act? Please. This is the other thing. Because it's so Lynchian, I think many people can have many theories and we can all be correct. I do not think there's one correct answer. I'm just going to tell you mine. <laughs> this is my interpretation. Take it if you want. <laughs> my interpretation of the first act is that it is a representation of the world that Bo has internalized 
but it's been filtered through the anxieties of his mother. Mm-hmm. It is like exactly depicting the way I imagine people who have never been to New York, who only watch Fox News, imagine New York to be, and ha- like then have a child go live in New York. And mm-hmm. like this is the nightmare anxiety dream that they think New York City is. So that is the version of the world that I was like comprehending. And so to me, it was just like a surreal version of a world where Bo is sort of like externalizing this internalized anxiety from his mother. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like if you believed everything your parents feared about the world, this is what the world would look like. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Bo, he does a lot of great stuff. He does his best in the first act, but I was like really relieved once we left that act. Yeah. And moved on to the second act after he gets hit by um, a van and is transported to a house. (laughs) Which is just nonsense. (laughs) You can't just hit somebody with your car and then take them home. Well, sure, yeah, but this is dream logic. (laughs) But it's not a dream. Wild. Perfect, though, because the second act was where I was hooked. Second act was most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Not my favorite but most interesting mm-hmm. felt like we transitioned into misery, like Stephen yes. King's misery, which was mm-hmm. choice. I was like, I'm here for this. I want the rest, this to be the rest of the film. Yeah. The second act was really interesting because Bo is essentially being held captive by like the most, um, like coddling family <laughs> of all time. So like these people are very nice to him, but they're also just like, confining him to their home Mm -hmm. and preventing him from going to his mom's house. And it's, God, there's just so much to unpack. We would need like a month to go through all of this. But basically, yeah, Bo is like healing from his injuries. And Nathan Lane, he plays a surgeon. And his wife, what is her name? Grace. Yes, she's played by Amy Ryan, and she's like a executive for some company, and they are keeping him in their home, like, supposedly so that he can heal before he continues on his journey, but they're really just, like... Adopting him? Kidnapping him? Adopting him, him, kind (laughs) of, to be a replacement for their deceased son, who they are, like, fucking obsessed with. To the extent that they completely ignore their living daughter, Mm -hmm. who is having a miserable time. (laughs) Yeah, she's upset. But they also do, like, a puzzle of their dead son. Yeah, they do. (laughs) I was like, I hate this. Yeah, the son comes up a lot. So, so interesting. And, yeah, I don't know. I can't even, I can't give the the play-by-play, but I think this act is really interesting, and I didn't really understand its purpose until after the third act happened and I processed things. So let me tell you my, like, general theory of the second act after I tell you that I forgot to tell you my other favorite part of the first act, which is the phone call with the UPS guy Mm -hmm. who later fucking... (laughs) 
turns out to be Bill Hader. I can't even tell you how excited I was when I found that out. The whole phone call with him, Uh that is comedy gold. It's so good. It was good. The whole thing. So incredibly good. I can't believe I forgot that. Anyway. The second act in the house. I think it's really interesting that he's being trapped by a surgeon who's just plying him with all these different prescription medications and not just but like everyone in the family is on like multiple prescriptions he's basically like force feeding people pills it's like very in your face medication time in that house and then the wife she's like an executive in some company i think that's notable because when Bo is in this house, he doesn't really get better. He only <laughs> gets worse. And it being in this state of somewhat confinement where he has all the medicine he could possibly want and all the medical care he could possibly want and all of the like financial support he could possibly want, he never gets better. He never feels better. He just wants to leave. He's just constantly being made more anxious by the, the weird shit going on mm-hmm. with the people in the house and the daughter and the guy that lives in the backyard and all, all of these things never help him. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of, it could be interpreted as a commentary on how pharmaceuticals and capitalism are not the fast and easy cures for your ills that people want them to be. Mm-hmm. Which brings you to the third act, which is when Bo goes to see a play in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Connects with nature. And there is um, just a layer cake of metatextual meaning happening where we're watching a story where Bo's going to a play that has a story that is telling you a story about Bo, maybe sort of kind of i don't know you're watching like a story and a story and a story with this like beautiful stagecraft and animation Mm -hmm. and just incredible like myth making um type stuff this was will's favorite act Mm -hmm. i should say because he's really into like jungian myth and there was like a flood and all of that good stuff Mm -hmm. and he's like i'm into this (laughs) (laughs) and i was like good i'm glad it was wild. It was great. It was and visually just stunning, though, too. It was, very, it was beautiful. It, very beautiful. And it had a, my favorite part of the movie in it. I don't know if it was my favorite act, but it definitely had my favorite part, which kind of unlocked that act in the second act for me, in that Bo, he's watching this play take place, which is depicting a lot of the story of his own life in very specific ways and he's watching from the crowd and the narration in the play is syncing up with his own story i can't remember exactly but things are like converging in these this like metatextual layering and it all culminates in this part where Bo stands up in the crowd and he says this is my story or that's my story mm-hmm. and it's like the happiest he is in the entire film. Like, there's no moment of catharsis other than when Bo stands up watching the play and he says, this is my story. Mm. And to me, I was like, oh, 
I get this act. It's about how in response to pure pharmaceuticals and pure money can't solve your problems. Sometimes the only thing that can make you fucking feel better is watching art because it's the only thing that makes you feel understood. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. So that's what the third act meant to me. It's like the place of art in society where you can't live in fear in the first act. You can't just only take pills and try to make money to make yourself feel better. You have to have like some sort of response to a creative act in that you see a reflection of your own story and that you actually finally feel understood. And to me, that moment was like the most powerful moment of the film where he stands up and he says that. And I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. (laughs) So I absolutely loved that. And then, of course, all hell breaks loose at the play. There's lots of violence and the play's over and we're transported into Act 4. Dun, dun, dun. Which is kind of um, divided into a couple different parts. The first part, he finally gets to his mom's house, which is meant to be for her, like, memorial, because she's reportedly been dead this whole time, and that's why he's meant to be getting home. I really like that the van outside um, says Shiva Steve on it. Something about that I just really liked. (laughs) It's like Scuba Steve, but Shiva Steve. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, Scuba Steve. He's back. He's doing Shivas. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Bo, he has all this weird shit happening in his mom's house with listening to the memorial. And we address some like flashbacks that have been happening regarding his childhood. He has this encounter with Parker Posey, which is also one of the very funniest parts of the film where she's like playing stuff Mariah Carey on Spotify and it's just really incredible. There's great dialogue. It's (laughs) incredible stuff. She's really funny. And, And then we transition eventually, like some really wild shit happens in that, in that house. The mom's not dead. She's Patty Lapone. She goes on this tirade. <laughs> it's a whole thing. And Bo like leaves the house dazed and walks out like into the woods and just Joaquin Phoenix is making the funniest expression as he leaves the house. He just I could watch it all day long. <laughs> Will and I tried to recreate it on a daily basis. <laughs> So please just pay attention to Joaquin's expression as he leaves the house. It's so good. And then he gets on a boat and he goes to this imaginary trial of his own actions that is arbitrated by Richard Kind. (laughs) And it's so crazy. And I thought that part in the boat, in the, I don't know, what would you even call it? A stadium? Uh, it was stadium. like it was like he was going into a cave, and then there was a stadium. In he's the cave. in like a in an aqua stadium, <laughs> but he's on trial, and Richard Kind is like the prosecutor, and Joaquin has a defense attorney, but he's really inadequate. And I thought this part was really interesting because it reminded me a lot of Inside My Own Brain, <laughs> where. <laughs> Um, like I said before, a big theme of this film is guilt, especially regarding like 
family relationships, in Bo's case, his mom. But it reminds me a lot of when I like ruminate about exchanges I've had with people in the past where I relitigate what I did and the choices I made and the things I said and how I'm like a piece of shit (laughs) because of whatever I chose or said. And that's basically what's happening in this trial where Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Kind is like bringing up these examples in and outside of the film where Bo made a decision and how it like hurt his mom and his defense attorney has no defense. And it just reminded me a lot of like when I'm beating myself up about things for no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that recapitulated it well. And the main defense is that like the, the one thing you can hear the defense attorney saying is like, he was afraid he was afraid. Mm. And that's like mm-hmm. the main argument for like why Bo is doing a lot of what he's doing. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's sad. I thought that scene was really sad though. I mean, it I was. I felt sad during it. It was definitely baffling, but the amount of recognition I felt in it was also, it yeah. got me through for sure. Mm-hmm. And then his like boat flips over and I assume he drowns. And that's the end of the film, and then the fucking credits roll over the top of the boat. And, and it that, was silent. It was I silent. I don't know how it was in your theater. We all sat there in stunned silence. Oh, I was stunned. I was so stunned. The credits came up over that frame. Like, the film kept mm-hmm. going. The credits just played over it. And I was like, holy shit, this guy just did this to me? This is insane. The ball's on this guy. This is incredible. This is incredible filmmaking. I was like, I'm astonished. (laughs) I'm so here for this. People started leaving the IMAX, which looked exactly like the rows of seats in the film where people were also filing out of the aisles. And I was just like, this is the pinnacle of cinema. <laughs> this is the cinematic experience. This is why I go to the theater. This is incredible. I think someone in the front row really said, really? <laughs> I was like, wow. Because <laughs> they were just like shocked that that's where it was decided that it would end. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea how it was going to end. Yeah. Like I said, I had no idea what was going to happen <laughs> minute to minute. Like, it went places I never would have imagined. Mm-hmm. The imagination this film took. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, it was basically like watching at least three different films. Oh, yeah. Um, like when you enter into Act 2, it's like a completely different movie, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it, that it felt like you were just like shifting so completely from act to act. Yeah, I really liked that. I thought that was really cool. If it was all like Act 1, it would not have been sustainable. Mm -hmm. I would have walked out. Mm -mm. I would have been like sweating buckets the whole time. (laughs) I wouldn't have stayed. There was no one to keep me there. Yeah. But um, something I realized while I was watching it, I kept getting this feeling. Being like, this is so exciting because I have no idea where this is going. I don't know exactly what this means as I'm watching it, but I know I can dig down and find something. Like, I know there's so much meaning to be excavated from what I'm seeing mm-hmm. moment to moment. And, like, I that was so exciting and compelling to me. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was, like, a really similar feeling to another film 
that I watched, which is what I will officially name as my double feature recommendation with Bo's Afraid, I think it would make a great double feature with The Green Knight. Because that's the exact feeling. You and I talked about The Green Knight for like fucking two hours after we left that film. Yeah. Because there was so much to dig into. I didn't know where the fuck it was going. Yeah. I didn't know what the hell was going on. But I had a lot of theories. Yeah. And it ultimately just came down to this kind of like arrested development fail son who is like being kind of manipulated by his mom the whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just both movies. Yeah. <laughs> and they go on an odyssey to find this out, to finally, like, become their own man. Yeah. And I think it's a really, it would be a perfect double feature. Yeah. The Green Knight, I definitely liked <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when Will and I left the theater, we, like, stood on the subway platform, and Uh he was like, what did you think about this part? And I was like, oh, I think it's about, like, how we need art in order to actually, like, process our emotions, and Uh blah, 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 blah. And we talked about things we had theories for, and things I, we had, like, no semblance of a explanation for. Uh Or, like, what did, what did the dad in the attic mean? Why was he just a penis? what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, I don't, I can't, I, yeah, like we had a whole discussion about whether and he also, really had a brother or not. But there was, all of there that. was a guy in there. I he know did there was have a guy. A brother. Was it though, or was I it? I don't know. I, or was I have it the to take everything literally. I think that it's all literal, and everything really oh. happened. No, that's not. That's not okay. What I mean. Um. Also, like the significance of like the different the figurine. And like the figurine oh, breaking the figurine. or not breaking, like mm-hmm. the it can't all be real, and that's the one thing I have to hold on to in this film. <laughs> what was that? That's like a special siren. Oh, I thought it was inside your apartment. I was oh, like, no. the police are there. Hello, oh. knock, knock, knock. <laughs> we don't like your takes. <laughs> The figurine. Oh, the figurine is like the one moment where I'm like, okay, I know that that figurine broke in Act One and isn't broken in Act Three. And that is how I know that not everything is real. It's glued back together, though. Is it? Yeah, it's like visibly glued. I didn't see it be glued, but. uh, Well, we didn't see it be glued, but it was. Well, I didn't see that it was glued. Yeah. Okay. It has like a repaired look, I believe. Hmm. Who repaired it? Who picked it up? It wasn't Bo. Bo. He was getting shot at. And then he got hit by a car. Look, I can't remember all these it details. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I just watched a four hours ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Amy Ryan perhaps repaired it. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? <sighs> yeah, it was wild. It was an interesting experience. And there were a lot of really good strengths to it, for sure. Just mentally taxing it was certainly taxing it was so much information Mm -hmm. there was like not just because it was so long but also because there's just a lot of density of visual Mm -hmm. information Mm -hmm. and because it was such unorthodox storytelling Mm -hmm. where you were like am i going with this thread as reality or am i holding it back as a potential thread or like you're holding so many options in your mind throughout the film that it's certainly 
taxing. But as soon as Will and I left, we were both like, I got to see that again. Like, I I really want to go back and watch it again because there's just so much to take in. I got to see it again. I mean, I highly recommend it. It just came out to wide release, like Kat was saying. Mm-hmm. That's how she saw it today. If you are down to get weird and have an open mind, go see it. What are you waiting for? Check it out. Give it a try. This is the frontier of cinema. (laughs) This is good stuff. Also, worst case scenario, you go support your local cinemas and you support good filmmakers making more films. And Mm -hmm. that is the worst case scenario. So, yeah, if you want to hear like a real critic talk about it, uh, Adam Naiman, he wrote a nice review, like a thoughtful and, you know coherent review from an expert (laughs) on the ringer.com it's like one of the only reviews that's not behind a paywall by like a a really good critic so i seek that out if you if you want more convincing i read it i felt really justified because he also said it was like a lynchian endeavor and i was like thank you i am not crazy he had the same thought and um yeah, he also thinks the discourse around it is absolutely insane. But yeah, check it out. Editing Cat will try to remember to put the link to this in the show notes if you want to check out this uh, review. Yeah, I think that's all my notes on it. It's very divisive, which I yeah. think is the mark of a good film. Like, I liked hearing your theories. It definitely mm-hmm. made it feel like it had more meaning instead of like I was just wandering through a nightmare for three hours. It Mm -hmm. feels like it has more purpose and your takes make a lot more sense. Yeah. I think that's why like when he goes to that trial at the end and he just gets stuck, like his motor on his boat literally gets stuck in the middle of that trial where he's like ruminating in scenarios of guilt, that's why he, like, capsizes and drowns. Because you can't get stuck in ruminations like that forever. You gotta break out of that, man. Mm-hmm. You gotta break out, Belle. Yeah, and Bo doesn't have any support system, no. which is really sad. Because mm-hmm. that's, like, how I break out of rumination is I, like, talk to somebody. And I'm like, am I fucking crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was I a piece of shit? Yeah. And that helps. And also, his only support system is a shitty fucking therapist slash psychiatrist. That's not how therapists work. So, yeah, that guy fucking sucked. And I hated that therapy session at the beginning. I was like, this is painful to watch because this isn't how therapists act. Like, no therapist should act this way. Um, Which was intentional, obviously, which we find out in Act 4. Because I've seen poor depictions of therapy in media in the past and been like, clearly this person has never been to a therapy session. But um, everything that Ari Aster does is like done with intent. And I think that this film, while you might not understand the intent of every single thing you're watching immediately, you can tell like, this is meaningful and I'm going to log this for later. And then you're like, ah, he was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole time. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I've never been less surprised to see (laughs) someone walk out of a bathroom in my, (laughs) I was like, this is exactly what I thought this man would do. Yeah. Try it out and see what you think. It was a ride for sure. 
Yeah. I love it. Pee I before you go in. Divisive film. <laughs> Definitely. No drinks. It is no long. No it sodas. Is long. You will miss something terribly important if you get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> It'll all fall apart. It was cool. Definitely a lot to unpack. So. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Can't wait to go again. You'll have to let me know what the second watch is like. Yeah. What else you glean? All right. Our friend diagram. I Let's have make very our friend few, diagram. I have very few notes. <laughs> I have a couple overlaps. Do you want me to start? I would love it if you start. Well, actually, I'll start because, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll riff off of something you say. My only note is four acts. Damn it. <laughs> that was my first one. <laughs> well, it's my only one. So you would have yeah. stolen my only one. Yeah, four parts, four vignettes, four mm-hmm. acts. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Then I also wrote down dealing with the past in order to process feelings of guilt and regret. Mm. Um, we see a lot of, like, Bo's recollections of his childhood. Like, I didn't even get into the flashbacks to childhood of, like, yeah. him on vacation or him getting, like, these insane lectures from his mom about Mm -hmm. women and the world and all this like crazy shit that informed his understanding of the world oh and god i didn't even get into that oh my god just so much um he has a lot in his past that he needs to deal with and process and um I just wish he could have, I wish he had, like, a good therapist or a good support system, like you said, Kat, mm-hmm. to, like, do some of that processing sooner, because maybe he could have gotten his boat fucking out of there. Yeah, and if he had stayed with the people in the forest, I think that would have been that yeah. support system. Me too. But he got, That's like, legitimately saying. run out of that yeah. area, which is so sad. But that's by far the closest he got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, and you can see it in him. It's because of the art. And also you can see, like, the change in his whole demeanor. He's mm-hmm. confident. And you never see him, like, speak above, like, a murmur in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, I mean, partially in the fourth act, too. But in the third act is really when he, like, starts speaking up. And I love that. So good. And you yeah, see all of the potential for who he could be. Yeah, and he forms like a real connection. He has like a very sweet moment with the pregnant woman when he gives her the figurine. And it's so sweet. He has potential. He just didn't uh, like focus it in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like obviously relates to in when, what's it called again? By the time the coffee gets cold. Before the coffee gets cold. Before the coffee gets cold. It's a mouthful. (laughs) In that, you know, people have to go back to their past to process things. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. It just feels like before the coffee gets cold is such like a hopeful experience. And Mm -hmm. Bo's Afraid is not a hopeful experience. Like I did not get a hopeful energy from most of it. Let me run this by you. Okay. Tell me if you think this is right for both of them. So before the coffee gets cold, you can go back in time, but no one else remembers it but you. Mm -hmm. So you're making your selection and you're doing your thing ostensibly for your own benefit and Mm -hmm. your own processing. I think that could be a message 
that you could take away from Bo is afraid because if Bo had done more things for himself and been Mm -hmm. more assertive and taken more steps to (laughs) do things that were better for him rather than for his mom, Mm -hmm. he could have perhaps done a bit more useful processing. And so in Before the Coffee Gets Cold, you can see that employed and take away the message like, do it for you. But in Bo, you can see Bo fail at that and still take away the message like, do it for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> not for yeah. other people. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's okay. a good one. Hmm. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Any we spiders in Before the Coffee Gets Cold? <laughs> Zero spiders. Zero spiders. A ghost. There's Damn. a ghost. All right. Zero ghosts and Bo's afraid for once, but. Uh, yeah. Just those fucking attic penis ghosts, you know? I don't think it was a ghost. I think it was just a real full-size human penis. I think it was the representation of myth-making that sometimes mothers do about absent fathers, Mm. where they relegate them to the status of just sperm, and that was their entire contribution to making the child, and they pass down that mentality to the kid by saying like oh like he didn't contribute anything it's just biological and so in the kid's mind they're just like a penis in the attic because they fucking that's all they contributed you know what i mean yeah well that's what that meant to me so if if Bo doesn't have a brother we're going off on a tirade um yeah that's fine but if Bo doesn't have a brother what i think it symbolizes is his mother like the that like dream or whatever that mm-hmm. he's like remembering of like a second bow that looks just like him mm-hmm. is like the confident and yes. um that's like, the bow that can stand up to his mom. Yeah. That's yes. and she puts him in the attic with exactly. the representation of I like that. And Look. that's why Bo is the way he is, because when he was young he lost the part of himself that would stand up to his and mother. It's in the attic. Yes. Ah, uh, what if there was a switcheroo? And that would have been how I would have loved that to end. The confident mm-hmm. bow comes down. Yeah, and then we double feature with us. And then the weak fucking bow is upstairs. Um, but yeah. And then we double feature with us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was taking... I thought you meant us as in us, the people. No. And I was like, you I know do I not mean. understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that would be good. Yes. Do it for you, bow. Do it come for on. you. Um... But yeah, definitely go check out Before the Coffee Gets Cold and Bo is Afraid before it leaves theaters. If that's something you want to do, go support local cinema. We are simps for local cinema. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a t-shirt. Tell us what you think. Did you like Bo is Afraid? Did you not mm-hmm. like Bo is Afraid? Email us at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Um We'd love to hear your takes. What does it mean to be a penis in the attic? What does it mean? What does it mean? Maybe Bo swam away. Maybe that's why the boat stopped moving. Maybe he learned to swim. What's your take? Let's go. Fight in the comments. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? 
Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.